and say amen, everybody. Um, it is indeed my pleasure today to introduce to some and to represent to most of our speaker for the hour, Dr. Myron Edmonds. Dr. Myron Edmonds is regarded as one of the most fearless speakers and transformational leaders of this generation. He is a leadership coach, an organizational consultant. He serves as an adjunct professor for urban uh, leadership and development and also serves as an instructor with Corporate College, a division of Cuyahoga Community College. I'm praying for the gift of tongues, y'all. Dr. Edmonds has spoken for and consulted with the Cleveland Guardians, formerly the Cleveland Indians, FedEx, ABSA Bank, United States Air Force, countless schools, universities, and organizations across the world. Myron, uh, Myron has more than 20 years of experience as a consultant in leadership development with a variety of public and private organizations. Dr. Myron Edmonds' um, profession and passion is serving as the lead pastor of the Grace Community Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He completed his doctorate in ministry from the Andrews Theological Seminary with a concentration on family ministries. His dissertation deals with the role and absence of men as spiritual leaders. He also serves as the founder for Myron Edmonds Leadership Group, uh, group's winning circle and accountability community for men who want to win in what matters in life. He also proudly serves as a reserve chaplain in the United States Air Force Reserves. He is a devoted husband to Dr. Shanae Edmonds, father of two teenage, two teenage children, daughter Taylor and son Camden. He is also the author of the book, 40 Days of Life-Changing Family Worship. Ladies and gentlemen, I call him a friend, I call him a mentor, and he is definitely a man of God. Come on and say amen, everybody. Uh, after another selection by our praise team, the next voice you will hear is Dr. Myron Edmonds. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. How many of you know that there is something about the name of Jesus? Come on, something about the name of Jesus, the God who heals, the God who saves, the God who delivers. Come on, I love the name of Jesus. I cannot be the only one in here who loves the name of Jesus. Come on, if you know that you love him, if you know him, come on and just open up your mouth and just glorify him. Open up your mouth and just say, God, I love you. God, I worship you. God, I praise you. God, we bless you. Come on, if you know this song, I just want you to sing along with us. It says this. Something about the name Jesus. There is something about the name Jesus. It is the sweetest name I know. Jesus. 
been two years since we've been together in this fashion. Now, all the other times we ask you to praise the Lord since somebody asked you to. But is there anybody here that's just glad to be in the presence of the Lord in this place today? Make some noise. Those of you who are watching in the comments, make some noise with your hands. Give us some emojis. I was glad when they said unto me. Oh, come on, y'all. <laughs> we might as well have church now. Some of y'all drove a long way to get here. I said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Would you look at your neighbor for me and say, I'm glad to be here. Come on, just look at him. You don't got to touch him. Just look at your neighbor. Turn around behind you and just say, I'm glad to be here. Come on, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Some of y'all don't want to look at your neighbor. It's all right. But don't, don't mess with that person that don't want to look at him and tell him, I'm glad to be here. Somebody shout, I'm glad to be here. Yes, sir. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. This is not for form or fashion. We're not here to look important. We're not here to be seen or to see. We're here to lift your name high. And we got a reason to. We've been through a lot. Some of us pressed our way to be here. There are those that are watching online and they, and they need answers to questions. And our leadership team, they have told us that Christ is our hope. And so, Father, I thank you for that. I lift my hands right now because you are worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And we will not allow the enemy to silence us today. <laughs> God, you've been too good and we bless your name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. The Lord is worthy. And God, we thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're going to say to us. We believe that you have something to say. And my prayer is that, that we get out the way, that the enemy would get out the way, that any evil spirits, demonic forces that would wish to attack the word of God, both online and in present, would be neutralized in the name of Jesus and so Lord have your way is our prayer right now in the name of Jesus we pray and everyone said amen and amen you may be seated in the presence of the Lord let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time come on you can do better than that God is good amen it's an honor and privilege to be with you here today this is kind of home for me I know y'all didn't know that, but y'all about to vote me in the membership in a few seconds. I'm going to call for the vote. Uh, it's already been moved, but uh, my mama back in the day and all my aunts and uncles, when this was just one conference, one conference, I'll take that. Thank you, sir. When it, let me just get one. Yes, thank you. When this was just one conference. Was anybody around when this was just one conference? Anybody around when this was just one? I see about five hands. All right, boy, I see more than five. Amen. Yes, but before South Atlantic and Southeastern went and grew in different directions my mama grew up right here on these campgrounds coming here for camp meeting and when i drove up i saw those uh, uh i don't know what they i guess you would call that they look like pallets or foundations for where tents go 
I didn't see no tents on there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Do, do, do y'all still stay in the tents? I know that we've just been back a few years, but that's where they used to stay. All 10 of them stayed in those tents. And so it was just a blessing to be here. Brings back memories of my, my grandmother who raised nine kids and sent them all to Christian school pretty much by herself, cleaning houses, being a nurse's assistant. Anybody remember the days when people used to trust God and believe God? A lot of us have what we have now because there were folks before us who came before us who made great sacrifices for us to be able to drive in some of them nice cars that I saw when we came up in here today. Amen, somebody. How many are glad about the legacy that the Lord has left here in this great conference? And I just want to say to our president, Dr. Owusu, and to our uh, his team, our secretary, Brother Francois, and our preaching treasurer, Elder Charles, that it is a, a humble honor to be here with you all today. I got family members and other folks that I know that are here, but that ain't why we're here, y'all. We're here to get a word. Amen? Okay, can we go ahead and get in the word today? Go with me, if you will, to the book of John. Let's go to the book of John, John chapter 12. The book of John. What book did I say, everybody? Thank you. All right, we ready, ain't we? Uh, what book did I say, everybody? All right, John chapter 12, and I want to read uh, verses, verses, verses 9 through 11. John chapter 12. Then we're going to slide on over to the book of Revelation. Is that all right, Seven Day Adventists? Can we go? We ain't scared to go to Revelation, are we? We're going to slide on over to the book of Revelation, the 12th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 10 and 11. But let's start in the book of John. The Bible says, John chapter 12, English Standard Version of the Bible. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, the scripture says they came not only on account of him. Somebody shout not only. Watch this y'all. They came not only because Jesus was there, but the Bible says, but also to see who everybody Come on in the comments, put down Lazarus. Somebody put Lazarus' name in the comments if you can spell it right. Come on. Somebody put Lazarus in the comments. They came not only to see Jesus. Hear this. They came not only to see Jesus, but the scripture says they also came to see Lazarus. And it's not often that anybody gives Jesus company competition. But the Bible says Lazarus was there and they wanted to see him just as much as they wanted to see Jesus. Stick with me today, y'all. The Bible says, whom he had raised from the dead. Verse 10. Here's my message. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Verse 11. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Does that make sense? You got it so far? All right, let's go to Revelation chapter 12. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. What book did I say, everybody? Revelation, what chapter did I say? Chapter 12, chapter 12. Uh, let's go on down to verse number 10. Let's go on down to verse number 10. And here's what the word of the Lord says. The Bible says, and I heard, what kind of voice, y'all? I heard a loud voice. Come on, somebody try that again. What kind of voice, everybody? Yes, uh, come on, black people, talk to me, colored people, brown people, whoever y'all in here, make some noise. Well, uh, what kind of voice, everybody? 
a, a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Verse 11, here it is. And they conquered him, my version says. Some other version says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Don't get it twisted. This is how it happens, y'all. This is how we get the victory. By the blood of the lamb. And, and how? And by the word of their what? Of their testimony for they loved not their lives even to death. Go to verse 17. Let's end here. Then the dragon. Watch this shift here, y'all. Their testimony and the blood gave them victory over the accuser of the brethren. And so Satan's move in these last days now is described in verse 17. So let's expose him now for what he's going to try to do. That's all I came to do to y'all. I just came to lift Jesus up and expose the devil. The Bible says, verse 17, then the dragon, who is Satan, became furious with the woman. Who's the woman, everybody? The church. And went off to make war with the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God. Here it goes again. And hold the testimony of Jesus. I want to just share for a few moments today, brothers and sisters, on the subject, you know too much. You know too much. Can y'all go ahead and put that in the comments, those of you who are watching online and those of you who are here, can you just shout, you know too much. You know too much. Amen. Let's get into the word. You may or may not know this. However, in the civil rights movement led particularly by Martin Luther King, you may or may not be aware that part and parcel because of Martin Luther King's death was because there was a shift philosophically in Martin Luther King's approach to the needs of oppressed people. Particularly, Martin Luther King shifted his focus from equality through integration to equality through economic empowerment. Martin Luther King soon discovered not only Malcolm X and others, but Martin Luther King, who was the face, if you will, for the civil rights movement, soon discovered that integration without equity, integration specifically without in economic empowerment, especially given the fact that African-Americans and those that were passaged through the middle passage of the diaspora were used as currency in this country to build, if you will, everything that this country is essentially founded upon was built on the backs of a currency used as people. And so his Christian ethic required of him initially, he thought, only to be concerned about seeing that blacks and whites were not treated differently. But as Martin Luther King began to experience the force of the organizational structure and governmental powers 
trying to work subversively to stop his efforts. What I'm specifically talking about are the death threats. I am talking about men in high power, hear me today, men in high power like Edgar Hoover, whom the FBI building is named after. There was enough research and documentaries that are legit that you can study and read and you'll find out that there were, there were more than just a few bad people in Memphis that wanted to kill Martin Luther King because he began to shift to, a, to, an, to, an, to an ethos of empowerment. I'm going to go further. Martin Luther King said this. He said, for we know now that it isn't enough, listen y'all, to integrate lunch counters. He said, what does it, and I'm quoting, what does it profit a man to be able to eat at an integrated lunch counter if he doesn't have enough money to buy a hamburger? And so, on the day that Martin Luther King was murdered at the Lorraine Hotel, assassinated, if you will, Martin Luther King was there fighting for the sanitation workers and the unfair, disproportionate wages that they were experiencing. Hear me now. Martin Luther King began to shift and realize empowerment was more than just words, but empowerment had to be backed by economic development. I don't know why y'all acting like y'all don't know what money is. Y'all better talk to me in here. Somebody shout, follow the money. And so here's what I want to I help you to understand as we just introduce what we're going to talk about today. According, according, and you can go to the Justice, uh, just, the Justice website of the United States. Many of you may or not, may not know this, but there was, there was, there was a, 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 a civil suit filed by the King family. It was filed in the 90s against the United States government. And this filing was essentially to prove that Martin Luther King was not killed by the one-man gunman who for years had claimed his innocence. But in fact, and I'm reading now, Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy in the American flag, listen y'all, waving his words to symbolize racial harmony. Our country now quotes him. Our country now names streets after him in just about every urban hood. There's a Martin Luther King Boulevard, almost to suggest that Martin Luther King was celebrated and beloved by this nation. But I want you to hear me, Martin Luther King, according to the civil suit that was agreed upon by the Justice Department of the United States government in December 19, 1999, was killed, assassinated by the United States government. After four weeks of testimony, are you guys with me this morning? After four weeks of testimony and over 70 witnesses in a civil trial in Memphis, Tennessee, please hear me today, 12 jurors reached a swift, unanimous verdict on December the 8th, rather, 1999, that Dr. King was assassinated as a result of a conspiracy. The New York Times reported at that time that the King family says who filed the civil suit was only awarded $100. 
They donated this minuscule amount to charity. That's all they asked for. The King family simply wanted to make the point that y'all been lying about how our father and our husband died. He was killed by the government. Now, why would I start this sermon in that fashion? Because I want you guys to understand something very clearly. That if you empower people, you make yourself a target. If your ministry and your call in life is about helping people to get free, understand that you're going to create enemies. One of the reasons why our churches don't have enemies is because our churches ain't setting nobody free. One of the reasons why we as a denomination have become so friendly to culture is because we are not challenging the culture. And when I consider the early civil rights movements and I consider what sacrifices were made so that those of us uh, who are here today can sit here in this fashion, understand it was, it was done by radicals. Even if you study the early history of the Seventh-day Adventist denomination, the Seventh-day Adventist denomination, according to Dr. Benjamin Baker, a phenomenal scholar who I went to Oakwood University with, has stated that our denomination was founded upon abolitionism. There is a radical, hear me, there, there should be a radical, a radical motivation in the lives of those of us who are Seventh-day Adventist Christians that our ministry should be of such to help set people free. Not just spiritually free, but economically free. Why y'all getting quiet in here? They just don't need to know the three angels' messages. They need to know how the three angels' messages is going to impact them in Jacksonville, how it's going to impact them in Miami, how it's going to impact them in Fort Lauderdale. Y'all hearing me today? If we, we've, got, we've got to get back to setting people free. And if you do, you'll be a threat. You'll create enemies. Have I got anybody in here today? <laughs> As I consider this text in particular, what we are seeing here is that Jesus was beginning to accumulate a hatred and an enmity of a co-conspiracy to shut him down by the state and by the church. And as Christ got closer and closer to his death, what we find, if you study the scriptures carefully, everyone, is that there was literally a conspiracy to kill him specifically on account of the fact that he was setting people free. Why? Because as Christ was setting people free, the church leadership at that time saw him as a threat. They felt that Christ's ministry, isn't it crazy that Jesus and the church did not get along? <laughs> no, and not, not just specifically who he was, but how he did things. Jesus' ministry was constantly under criticism because the way he did things compared to the way the church did things were in total opposition. Jesus is empowering women, and the church in that day was subjugating women. Jesus was hanging with sinners, 
And the church in that day said that you're not supposed to touch sinners. As a matter of fact, the accusation against Christ almost exclusively was is that he spends too much time with sinners. And the crowds began to flock to him. Why? Because Jesus was, Jesus was for people and not trying to get people to be for him. Now, I want to explain something to you real quick. Uh, Jeff Henderson, in his book, Know What You're For, he suggests to us that one of the issues why we as a people, as a church, may not be as effective as we are is because we are so busy trying to get people to be for us instead of us being for them. But when you look at Christ's ministry, Christ's ministry was totally, hear me now, Christ's ministry was totally divested of trying to get people to be for him. I know that sounds strange. Jesus did not come here to try to get people to be for him. The scripture says that the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. Christ's motivation was, I'm for you. And as a result of his unselfish, uh, divested of any self-interest, desire to help people, the word of God says he became a target. And so here comes Lazarus. In the final moments and days of Christ's life, if he didn't already tick them off, if you remember when Jesus first started his ministry, he went home and they tried to throw him off of a cliff. If you read through the Gospels, everywhere you see through the Gospels, they are constantly trying. Uh, there, there, are, there are moments where the word of God literally says that the angels of the Lord would literally rescue Christ from their venomous vitriol to kill him before the cross. Jesus died when he died because the word says that he died when he was supposed to die. But if they had, if they had the chance, they would have killed him from the beginning. So you can imagine now that after all of this time, and their artifice, to suggest, in fact, that, that maybe he didn't heal the man with the blinded eyes and, and maybe, maybe he didn't cause that man to walk. They could find all kinds of reasons, if you will, to try and, 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 and discredit Christ's ministry. Then here comes Lazarus. <laughs> I mean, I mean they, 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 they found ways to, get, to skate around. As a matter of fact, the whole opinion of Christ up until Did y'all hear what I just said? Oh, I got a fresh mic here. Yes, sir. Come on. Let's switch off. Let's do it. Yes. Hold it up. Hold it high. Hold it high. Hold it at the bottom. Hold my mic up high. Thank you, man. Thanks, Anselm. Is that better? Man, just, just one little, little, little tweak and that thing worked out. All right, where was I? Somebody tell me where was I? Huh? Here comes Lazarus. Come on, brother. I appreciate you. <laughs> so here comes Lazarus, right? So at this point, there is nothing more that the religious leaders and the enemies of Jesus can even do to try to discredit his ministry. What he has done is so pro profoundly indisputable. 
that the scripture says they call a meeting. The Sanhedrin pulled themselves together, the Bible says, and, they, and for the first time, listen y'all, for the first time in the ministry of Jesus, the Pharisees, who are like lay people, who are really, really conservative, who believe that they should follow the law to the letter, but took it too far, and the Sadducees, who are the priests and the upper class, come on in here somebody, and the professional leaders, who don't even believe in the resurrection. For the first time, according to Desire of Ages, they come together and they put their differences aside and say, listen, enough is enough. We've tried to skirt around this thing. We've tried to find ways to discredit his ministry. But, but, but what just happened with Lazarus, we cannot deny. Matter of fact, Ellen White says that the spirit of the Lord told them in the meeting that he was the Messiah, but that Satan came in the meeting and told them that he was going to take their power and take their influence. The word of God tells us that they united their forces together and brought us to where we are in our text and said, listen, now we know that if we're going to stop Jesus, we've got to try him. We can't just kill him. See, the, the educated folk in the Sanhedrin told them, them, them Pharisees, they said, listen, y'all, y'all crazy. Y'all can't kill the man. If y'all kill the man, the people going to kill us. What we've got to do, we've got to do something a little bit more systematic, something a little bit more political. Let's take him through a trial. Let's pull together witnesses. Watch this now. Let's pull together witnesses that can speak against his ministry. But, but, but we don't got nobody out there. We can find some folks. All we got to do is pay them. But what we have to do is we got to stop Lazarus. We can't, let, we can't let Lazarus talk. As a matter of fact, we can't even let Lazarus live. Because Lazarus, hear me y'all, I'm going somewhere today. Lazarus very presence is a threat Lazarus is, is, is incontrovertible evidence that Jesus has power that Jesus is real Sanhedrin folk the Sadducees are like I don't even believe in the resurrection and I cannot deny that he was dead for four days And so the scripture says, listen, y'all, this is about to get good. The scripture says that they literally conspired together in this meeting and said, let's put Christ on pause, but we got to kill Lazarus. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today that there has nothing changed about Satan's strategy. Satan realizes to neutralize the of Jesus to neutralize his witness to neutralize his power in the world is simply to attack the witnesses and the evidence of his power I need the Holy Ghost today 
Uh, what I'm trying to help y'all to understand today, brothers and sisters, is that if Lazarus is a living, breathing, walking symbol of what God can do, then I believe that I'm in a place right now where there are Lazaruses here today who know good and well, I don't even got to say nothing. Oh, y'all not praying. I don't got to open my mouth. The mere fact that I'm here, the mere fact that I'm breathing, the mere fact that I'm alive, the mere fact that I'm even in the house of God is a miracle of the power of God. And one of the things that I think we oftentimes misunderstand and underestimate is the power. Hear me, y'all. Ah, thank you, Lord. Is the power of your existence. Now listen to me. I say the power of the message. I'm going somewhere, y'all. Oh, listen, y'all. So often we have leaned. The word testimony in scripture literally means witness it means witness what does it mean everybody it means witness so when the bible talks about testifying the bible talks about witnessing what is an eyewitness an eyewitness literally is what i just said it is it's somebody who saw something they experienced something and so they have credibility to talk about something what we have subtracted from our message is in fact the most important thing of our message. Not the information, not the facts, not the doctrine, but you were an eyewitness of what... Y'all ain't responding the way I'm talking, I know it for sure. Can I ask a question? Is there anybody here that was dead in trespasses and sin? Is there anybody here that had lost your mind, lost your way, lost your focus, almost lost your life, and you are a living, breathing testimony of the... You are the witness. As a matter of fact, brothers and sisters, you, uh, let me just teach for a second. What you may not realize is, is that the three angels of Revelation 14, y'all still believe that? Y'all still believe the message, right? The, do you know that the three angels ain't angels? The three angels are symbolic of messengers. The messengers ain't preachers. You the angel. You are the message. Watch this now. I cannot, I cannot separate me from the message. The Sabbath and the second coming. Come on, somebody. And the state of the dead and the diet do not have power if it doesn't come from me. The power is in your personal experience with Jesus. And what I have found is that one of the reasons why our ministries are impotent is because we have separated our own experience from the message. We think we can change somebody's mind and their life by giving them facts.
Now listen, listen to me. I know some of us came in that way, but just because you came in that way don't mean you got to stay that way. Hear me, y'all. Listen, do you realize that what people are fiending for is for real people with a real story of what God has done in your life? And literally, I'm telling you, for, for most of my life, as a fourth-generation Seventh-day Adventist, a third-generation preacher, a second-generation Adventist preacher, my mom worked for the GC. Like, you didn't get no more Adventist than me. And my whole life, I thought that I did not have a story because every decision that I ever made in my life was made prior to me making a decision. I was going to go to Adventist school. I was going to go to Pine Forge. I was going to go to Oakwood. Are y'all hearing me? I was going to go to Andrews. I was going to go to get a assigned church that they assigned me to. And so for many of us, our whole lives, we have disconnected our own personal experience from what God is doing. The issue wasn't that I didn't have an experience. It's just that I did not allow the Holy Spirit to open up my mind to see that the Adventist message and the truth that we believe is also me. Y'all better hear me. I'm the Adventist message. My story is the Adventist message. God setting me free is the Adventist message. My deliverance is the Adventist message. And if I separate me from the power of the gospel, it loses its power. Watch this. Satan wants to kill you, the Bible says that he's a thief, he's a murderer, but watch this now, hear what the Holy Ghost showed me, that the way Satan kills people is not by physically killing them, like Lazarus, but he's scared that there will be a resurrection of confidence and courage to tell your story watch this watch this he silences us and the silence makes us walking dead you're not dead come on Adventist I'm talking I know we don't stay to the dead hear me now there are people here right now that are dead You here, but you're dead. All right, can I, can I, can I, I got to proof text this, don't I? Let me go ahead and proof text it. Online folk, y'all help me. Psalms 115, 17. Watch this. Death is silence according to the word of God. Watch what the Bible says in Psalms 115, 17. Watch this, y'all. The dead do not praise the Lord. nor any who go down into silence. Hold on, so watch this now. We've used this text to prove state of the dead. But can I help you for a second? Notice the assumption that the Bible is making. The Bible is making the assumption that if you are dead, you do not praise God. You have no witness. You have no testimony. The assumption is, is that if you're alive... Y'all don't believe me. Okay, all right, all right. I got another one for you. Go to Psalms 150 and verse 6. 
let everything that has breath. I, no, uh, please, uh, no, 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 Pastor, you proof texting. Watch this now. The Bible literally assumes that if I'm alive, I ought to be talking about it. And that if I'm not talking about his goodness and praising him like I've lost my mind and giving him the glory for everything he's done in my mind, you must be dead. Y'all don't believe me. Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. Jeremiah said this. He says, if I say, I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name. In other words, if I'll be silent, which we know is death, the Bible says there is, however, hallelujah, in my heart, as it were, a burning fire that is shut up in my bones. Watch this, y'all. And I'm weary from withholding it in. I cannot. What Jeremiah is saying, he says, the more silent I am, the more it kills me on the inside. He said, I'm at a place now that if I don't say nothing, that if I don't open up my mouth and tell the whole truth of what God has done in my life, then it will be for me, oh God, like a fire. He said, I'm trying to keep silent. I'm trying to mind my own business. I'm trying to be sophisticated. I'm trying to be deep. I know I got to wear a suit. Yeah, you know, I don't want to because it's camp meeting. But, but, but what I won't do is I won't be silent. It will be for me this agitating, burning that is inside of me. Does anybody feel like that? That I want to keep quiet. I'm trying to keep quiet, but I can't keep quiet. You know what that means? You're alive. I ain't trying to kill you today. I'm telling you that if you feel something, means your spiritual heart is still beating. For many of our congregations and our families, we are housing places for corpses. Comatose. Nothing moves us anymore. Praise and worship has gotten better. The preaching has gotten more animated. Now, now we're in, we've got no reason. I mean, we are literally living in the last days. Like we're seeing stuff. Come on, somebody, look. I, listen, I'm as progressive as the next man, but I watch the news. Come on, somebody. Does anybody see that something is happening on this planet? And you would think, uh, Dr. Paul, that at this stage, that this would be enough to move people to life, move people to passion, move people to fire and to but we already knew this wasn't going to be enough your story with Jesus is the only motivation you have to open up your mouth the truth is many of you here right now the fact that you showed up here today 
frightens the enemy. I want you to hear me today. I'm not playing no games. Do you realize that according to the pen of inspiration, even right now, there is an unseen spiritual war that is taking place in this room where the demons of our souls are trying to prevent us from opening up our mouths, from talking, from repenting, from testifying, from worshiping, from giving God everything he has. Matter of fact, it doesn't just stop there. Not only is there a restraining power, according to Revelation 7, to keep the four winds from destroying the planet, there was a restraining power happening amongst the body of believers where there are literally demons trying to kill you. I'm off my notes for a second, but I got to help somebody. Is there anybody that ever feels evil around you? Like Romans 7 talks about. I'm talking about what the Bible says. He said evil is always present. Has anybody ever felt the enemy talk to you, threaten you, accuse you, tell you that you are done, tell you that I've got your family, tell you that I've got your marriage, tell you that I've got your ministry, tell you that I'm going to expose you, tell you I'm going to kill you. Have I got a witness in here of anybody that knows spiritual warfare, that knows that you wrestle not against flesh and blood? This thing is real. Come in here, huh? praise the Lord. I don't like the preaching. I don't like the praise team. What time we get now? I wish they made a different decision for leadership. And listen, and you're doing all of this. You're doing all of this. Watch this. You're doing all of this talking and running your mouth and being sophisticated and saying this and being deep and being judgmental. And while all of this is happening, there is literally a struggle where there are angels keeping back demons from taking you out in your mess somebody shout I'm a threat oh come on stop playing with it in here somebody shout talk to me I, I didn't not just the preachers are a threat not just snail is a threat not just a wusu is a threat not just administer not just your pastor is a threat the folks with the mic are not just a threat but especially the threat in here is those of you sitting in this pew whom God has delivered from hell and I used to think that everybody in the church you know, especially growing up in this thing, if you just go by our outfits and our cars, seriously, and the way we talk and the way we teach Sabbath school, it will literally make you think, these are, these are some saints. <laughs> and what, let me tell you what, what begins to happen. What begins to happen is, is you, if you got some dirt in your life, like I do, Don't worry, I'm going to tell my testimony in a minute. I'm going to make the devil real mad. Watch this. If you got a little dirt in your life or a story, what happens is you feel real uncomfortable around all these kinds of people. Feels weird. You're trying to, is this, are these people real? Do they get sick? Do they cuss? Do they get mad in traffic? Do they ever eat a cookie? 
Has any of them ever been drunk or high? Any of them ever had sex before marriage? Do they have sex while they're married? Do they like it? I don't know. I remember I was pastoring a church, and this sister, she was so real because she had just come off the streets. And y'all know how it is. Like, by the way, since this is our four-hour camp meeting service, I decided I was going to take my time preaching. <laughs> I praise the Lord for that, man. Normally, I'd just be getting up. Come on, say amen. So this sister, she had just gotten baptized. Praise the Lord. Y'all know how it is. Anybody remember when you first got baptized and you didn't know the rules? You know the rules. You didn't know you're supposed to lie and deny, 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 deny. Homegirl came in, first prayer meeting with joy. She said, y'all, pray for me. I got a sex problem. Bro, I mean, saints. They was like, they were like, I mean, it was so quiet in there. The silence you could cut with a knife. She didn't know the rules. She assumed that those folks was human like she was human. And so I wanted you to hear me now. What I believe that is happening in the remnant is, is exactly what Ellen White described in testimonies to ministers. Y'all shocked I'm calling the spirit of prophecy. You know what Ellen says? She says that, and I'm just, I'm, I'm giving you a paraphrase. She says that Satan holds counsel with his imps. And in this meeting, he says this. He says, we must silence the Sabbath keepers. You hear what I just said? What's going to be the attack? He didn't say it was going to be an attack of a bunch of false doctrine. He said the false doctrine will be to separate themselves from the message. Get them so pretentious and so afraid of looking human and having problems and working their salvation out with fear and trembling. Get them to be so weird about the human struggle that people will see them as unrelatable. Then she goes on to say, this is uh, Testimonies of Ministers, page 475. She says, and we will do this this way. We must cause distraction and division and cause them to lose anxiety, I'm quoting, over their own souls and cause them to judge and to criticize So how are people going to get free in an environment where all of the broken people are criticizing each other? Are we still talking about people's clothes? Are we still policing people's plates? Are we still policing people that have been married multiple times? Are we still policing girls that got pregnant out of wedlock but letting patriarchy and mean, abusive men get away with murder in the church? Are we still doing that? Don't look at me pious. Because I am telling... Listen here. 
I am not telling everybody to do what I'm about to do. You tell your own testimony. You don't got to tell mine. But I am an example of being deep in this thing culturally and having a surface relationship with the Lord and being anointed to where I would preach folks get healed, saved, baptized, and I'd go look at porn that night. Come with it. Let's go. We're here now. I told you, I'm not, pre I'm not preaching what I read about. I'm preaching what I know. He want to kill me because as a result of me getting free and delivered and now telling the whole truth about what it means to be a struggling man who, who almost lost his marriage and, and disconnected from his children, but, but, but being asked to preach. It's possible. It's possible to be a leader. It's possible to have name recognition. It's possible for somebody to know who you are and to have power and responsibility and education, but be struggling. I come to make the devil a liar today. We got to clean up the lying in the church. We got to clean up the pretension in the church. We got to get the fake folk up out of here because you are constraining the spirit of God. The only reason I got a mic in my hand right now is because of the mercies of the Lord. I am not consumed. His compassions fail not. Great is the Lord's faithfulness. Have I got anybody here today that don't mind standing to your feet, opening up your mouth and saying thank you? It's not what it looks like. I know I drive nice, but it's grace. I know I'm dressed nice, but it's mercy. I know I can talk well, but I don't deserve to be here. Have I got anybody here that knows that if it had not been for the Lord? Like everybody want the mic and where the ministry really happens and ain't up here. Many of us have a problem being transparent and vulnerable and honest. I mean, literally, your own kids don't know what you've been through. The only reason I can stand up here and say what I'm saying is because my family's sitting here. My wife is sitting here. My wife is sitting here. My children are sitting here. And we talk about this stuff. A, a last Friday night for family worship, we all sat around and told our childhood wounds and pains. Because what we're trying to do is develop our testimony because that's what the enemy is afraid of he knows that overcoming is because of the blood and you talking watch what happens here look y'all in verse 10 it says so the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well watch why because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away believing in Jesus. And guess what? Your testimony is not always mine. They were believing in Jesus because he was dead. Like Judas walking through the streets. That folks look like, I'm following you. Like, who's that? Is that Lazarus? Yeah, is that the dude that was dead? 
drug, I'm in this crazy marriage. Did Jesus resurrect this dude after four days? Where are you at? Where are you meeting? Jesus, where are you? Hold on, is that, is that, is that, is that Lazarus at the grocery store? Yeah, I think that's him. Who was dead? I was at his funeral. Yeah, he alive now, man. How'd that happen? I don't even know. Let's ask him. Folks are going up to Lazarus, and listen, here's what many of us do. They be like, Lazarus, wasn't you dead? I was. Ellen White says this. She said, people were asking him what he saw when he was dead. He said, I don't know. Come on in here. I didn't see nothing. Come on, Adventists, talk to me in here. I didn't hear nothing. I didn't see nothing. But, but I only know I was dead because they told me. But I do remember uh, being in a cave. And I do remember being wrapped up and all tied up. And I do remember smelling my own stench. And I do remember hearing Jesus' voice. And I do remember him saying, somebody take off his grave clothes. And I do remember walking. I do remember opening my eyes. I do remember feeling my hands. I do remember seeing my family. And I can see Lazarus getting happy in the grocery store talking about what he remembers. Have I got anybody in here that remembers? Remembers anything, but many of us, when they ask us, we say, Well, I, I once was lost. And now I'm found. Lord has been good to me. I've not always been in the message. <laughs> oh, I'm having this, y'all. Oh, you can't take this thing from me. What does that mean? Oh, I know what that means. Oh, is you was a whore. Oh, you was a pimp. Oh, you was strung out on drugs. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you was an abuser. Oh, yeah, you got family trauma. You just don't want to tell it. People were believing. Anybody here? Or are you trying to put that in your past? I don't know about you, but when I think of the depths of the foolishness that I was in, and I look at where God has brought me, and then, y'all forgive me, I start praising God for everything. I mean, I look around my house and I'm praising him for food in the cupboard. I'm praising him that my wife still loves me. I'm praising him that my kids still respect me. Y'all don't, y'all not, y'all, y'all. So y'all take this stuff for granted. You're waiting for something big to happen. Is there anybody that wants to praise him right now? Because you know he had me, had 
Had me means past tense. Had me means I was his. Had me means that used to be. But had me also means I am not there no more. I've been saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. He had me, but Jesus grabbed me. Number two, second reason he coming for you, why he hates you. He hates the smile on your face. He hates it when you lift your hands. He hates it when you tell your story. He hates everything about you. He hates that you're in the truth. He hates that you're serving God. He hates you because he had you. The second reason is he hates you because you know too much. Well, first thing y'all think about is I know the message. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about, uh, let me help you. Here's what I know. I know that it's possible to be in the church and be a hypocrite. I can speak to that. I, I, got, I got degrees in that. Maya, I didn't, I don't, this ain't something somebody told me. I don't need you to preach to me about being delivered from being a Pharisee. And see what the enemy wants is he wants especially people like me who are in leadership, who have a microphone, to not tell it. Because if I start telling it, people going to find out that they're not the only ones suffering in silence, struggling in silence, feeling like they are, feeling like they're lost, feeling like they have no hope. Understand me now, the power is in you calling the truth by its white name. The Spirit of God wants you to tell the truth. The Spirit of God wants to lead you into all truth. And that truth is not just your doctrine. That truth is your life. As a result of me doing this, we started a men's ministry, and we had some 2,000 brothers come through this ministry. We've had hundreds of brothers come through this ministry, all because I stopped being scared of y'all. And scared, and scared of what people are going to say about me. And, I, and, I, and, 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 and listen, I've lost some speaking engagements. Understand now. It, yeah, oh, it's real. Let me tell you why it's okay. Because I can't be a liar. I can't, I can't, I can't keep this to myself. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I, I, I don't want to be dead. The dead don't praise the Lord. And I realize that when I tell what I know, it exposes the deeds of darkness. Now you do you. You minister the way God called you to minister. Where are the musicians? Get playing right now. Dude, you, listen, everybody, listen, some, some people get so uncomfortable when I say these things because they think, do you want me to tell all my, listen, whatever you do, you need to help somebody know the real Jesus, and I'm talking about the real Jesus of what he's done for you. Put that with the message. Put that with the truth, and the truth becomes exponentially more powerful. Number three, go ahead, brethren. The last reason. The first, he had you. That's what happened. He said, I got to shut Lazarus up, man. I, that brother was dead. Now he's going to mess up everything up. Number two, because of what you know. 
And last but not least, because, hear me everybody, because of your impact. Everybody here today whom the enemy had, but he don't got you no more. I want you to stand. I want you to stand. Everybody here that knows stuff from your own experience. I'm talking about you know stuff. You see, you've been taught to suppress this stuff because it's embarrassing. It's shameful. But can I tell you, your whole story matters. All of it. And it may not be for the church folk, but it might be for your coworker. It might be for your children that are struggling with the same stuff you're struggling with. You think I wasn't going to tell my kids of what I've been through? The scripture says the sins of the fathers are passed down to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Whatever's in me might be in them. I want them to be free. My reputation, how people perceive me, is not more important than my impact. Is there anybody here today that knows that God's got his hand on you and that there is impact that he's planned for you. If you're here, get to this altar right now. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to folk that know he got his hands on you. And he got his hands on you because of what you've been through. Not because you're a great person. I'm talking about because of what you survived. I'm talking about because of the things that you made it out of. I'm talking about because of the because of the because of the the trials and the tribulations that should have caused you to blow your brains out or take your life out or be locked up in some prison somewhere or, or lose your family or lose your life. Anybody in here that should have been dead? Come on, somebody. And you're not dead, and, and, and just your very presence is a threat. Then open up your mouth right now and begin to bless the Lord like you know you are a survivor. Like you know you made it. Like you know that if it had not been for the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else know you, you, you have an impact? You know what the Lord's been showing me, my brother? With tears coming down your face is that the devil is scared of you. Keep fighting. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't let shame of your mistakes keeping you from helping somebody else. Somebody give God glory in here. Come on. Listen. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I had to ask myself this question. I had to ask myself this question. I say, did God allow me to go through everything that I went through for me to say nothing about it. Pastor, did I survive everything I survived? Get second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, sixth Did I did all of that happen, Donnie, so that I can come in here and pretend that me and Jesus didn't have an experience? That me and Jesus did not go through the fire and come out of it, Doc. That me and Jesus didn't have a walk and through the, through the pit of hell and I saw him grab me out of it. Am I going to pretend like we don't have that experience? Like it just didn't happen? Now y'all know, 
the story before this text is about that woman with the alabaster box y'all know this was a party it was a pharisaical party that got crashed by an interesting woman and she didn't care who was there come on somebody all the dignitaries was there Lazarus was there the Bible says she walked in there and she broke her alabaster box and she began to worship like she was all by herself she began to worship like she had been delivered she began to worship like she had been set free she began to worship like seven demons were cast out of her she began to worship at his feet and it filled the whole house with the aroma and I heard Cece whining say she said you weren't there when he found me you couldn't feel what I felt when he wrapped him. You don't know the cost. <laughs> you don't know the cost. You don't know. You weren't there when he set me free. You weren't there when my wife took me back. You weren't there when my kids said, Daddy, I forgive you. You weren't there. I don't owe you nothing. And you don't owe them nothing. What you ought to do is open up your blessed mouth and give him a praise. Give him a praise. If he saved your soul, give him a praise. If he delivered you from hell, give him a praise. anybody ever just look at your life and just shake your head say I'm looking at miracles in here Lazarus where are you at Lazarus where are you Lazarus come forth Lazarus come forth Lazarus come forth Lazarus, don't, don't just stay in the cave so that nobody will know that you've been set free. Lazarus, I know you stink, Lazarus, but come out anyway. I know it might be unpleasant for some folks, but there are other folks that are going to be impacted by your life. Anybody want to lift your hands right now and say, I've, I've got purpose. I've got value. I've got meaning. I'm here for a reason. And everything, somebody shout everything. I said somebody shot everything. Everything I've ever been through. It matters. Let everything that have breath. So we 
listen, 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 listen. Y'all forgive me, but God has been good. Oh, my God. And all this time, like you, I thought that what I had been through was not relevant. Like it, 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 it didn't matter. But can I help you with something? There is impact in your injuries. There is impact in your issues. Oh, Father God. Father, somebody today. They need to they need to be they need to be okay with their journey. They need to be okay with it. They need to be released from shame because of what they went through and what they're going through. And they need to know this because the greatest evidence outside of your love for us that our story matters Shh, listen y'all don't miss this is that the enemy likes it when you're silent he is terrified of you when you allow God to use you to the fullest he is scared of you Be scared of your impact but father we pray right now with the lifting of hands somebody just wants to surrender right now father I'm praying today for ministries to be unleashed in this place hallelujah not just ministries in the church but also ministries at the water cooler ministries in the hospital ministries in the home ministries in the streets ministries through their businesses father right now in the name of jesus somebody is receiving a quickening from the holy spirit that god is unleashing them to ministry and their ministry will no longer be based on what's comfortable to them but their ministry is going to be based on their story their story their experience can't nobody tell it like we can tell it in the name of Jesus right now if the Holy Ghost is freeing you to be obedient to him you begin to lift your hands and I'm telling you right now we're not gonna be fighting over the mic at church we're not gonna be fighting for that listen there are so many spaces and platforms now where you can minister you got Facebook Instagram Twitter TikTok. come on somebody you got your neighbors in your neighborhood you got come on you got co-workers everywhere you are Lazarus people will turn to Christ because of your story yes. tell it about your marriage get healed first but when you get healed you better tell it when God works in your marriage and God works in your children don't there's somebody that needs to hear it it may not be thousands but somebody father we yield to you right now Holy Spirit fall down right now yeah. 
fall upon our leadership. Thank you for our president. Thank you for our secretary. Thank you for our treasurer. Thank you for all the officers, the pastors, Lord, the workers, the teachers of this great conference. Father, pour it out. Pour out your spirit. Pour out the latter rain right now, Holy Ghost. Because those two words that all of us are living to hear, we want to hear you say, well done. Well done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. You may return to your seats in the name of the Lord. an awesome God, awesome God. We want to thank Dr. Edmonds for allowing the Spirit of God to move him, to work with him, to work on him, to work through him, to work and to move in us. My, 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 my. My, my. For those of you who are on social platforms, you don't, you don't feel what we feel here. You don't feel what we feel here. But God is still, is still on the throne. Bow your, bow your heads with me, please, as we, as we close. Gracious God, we thank you for speaking through your manservant. Uh, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for allowing us to hear that uh, we don't need to be silent anymore for we have been resurrected. And that resurrection is a testimony to your greatness. Lord Jesus, may we be bold proclaiming your message today and forever until we hear those words well done Lord Jesus as we have partaken of the spiritual food we ask a blessing on the temporal food that we will be receiving in a few minutes may it be of nourishment to our hearts and to our bodies Strengthen us so that we can go out with Jesus and continue to proclaim your message, your word, your power to save, 
we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.